You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast, where we examine the New York Mets. We try to figure out what went wrong, and we try to figure out how to fix this mess of an organization. And I'm very excited to be joined by a guy who I've debated in the past many years ago, usually off air. Uh, there were times where I was wrong. There were times where he was wrong. Uh, most of the time he was wrong. And I'm glad <laughs> that he's able to join me now to talk about the future of this organization because I respect him as a Met fan. He's a great Met fan. He watches all the games. He's become a budding media star in this town. Uh, he works for a radio station that I had a falling out with because they ruined my opening day. So I don't want to mention them. Um, put it this way, Howie Rose is on that radio station. I'll leave it at that. And Rush Limbaugh. So what a combination. And also, and this is really where he's a star, he's on TV. When you turn on SNY, he's usually schooling somebody. <laughs> he worked at WFAN behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. So after that big intro, I welcome in fellow Met fan, Sal Licata. Sal, what an honor. It, it is an honor for me to be on with you, dude. And I mean, we've done this, as you said, for years, dating years back off the air when I was just behind the scenes as a producer of Board Op. And we've always had great conversations about it. And I've always envisioned doing stuff with you on the air, but it's never happened until now. So I'm excited to be a part of your podcast. Thanks. Well, thank you for coming on. I, I don't know. And I follow you on Twitter and I obviously see you on TV and all that. So I don't know, though, over the last few weeks where you have fallen on a lot of the things that have happened to this franchise. But before we get to that, I want to start at the beginning because for me, when this season started, my expectations were mid-80s, going to be in a playoff race. They're not good enough to win the division, but they'll be in a playoff race. You know, maybe we'll see the Mets in that wild card game again. So I guess from that standpoint, I was sort of confident coming into the season. Were you that way or were you more negative than me? No, I was I was actually probably more positive thinking that they could win the division. Now, look, there are all sorts of factors based, you know, or, or put in there, right? When you talk about, well, what's the division going to look like? I didn't think the Braves or Phillies would be as good as they've been. I thought the Nats would be kind of what they are, which is vulnerable, not the runaway team. And I always like taking, okay, well, who would be that second team to knock the favorite off that everybody thinks is a lock to win, win the division? And you look at the Mets, what they did in the offseason, although I didn't love it, I liked it and figured Conforto was going to take that next step and be a legit all-star from start to finish. I thought Cespedes would bounce back. And you look, the starting pitching. I mean, you figured with DeGrom and Syndergaard, I liked the bullpen because I figured Gazelman and Lugo would be weapons back there. And you have Familia and Blevins and Ramos and Swarzak, guys you can trust. I thought this was a, as good a team coming into the year as they have built in recent years, certainly under the Sandy Alderson regime. And I thought they would win the division. Now, I think worst expectations were that, okay, well, the win, you know, B500 team, win 80 games or so, compete for a wild card. But I thought, and I picked this team to win the division, and now, of course, Evan, I look like a complete fool. Well, I, I part of me wants to say you're an ass for thinking yeah, right. the division. But no, the reason why I don't is because if your rationale was mostly, hey, I think the Nats are a bunch of frauds, right. and 
they're good, but they're not great. Well, so far you look right. So I can't really kill you for that. I mean, it's not like you're saying, hey, I think the Mets are going to win 103 games and win the division. You're basically saying, remember 2015? Yeah, Cor- that could happen to the Nationals. And you're not that far off yeah, when that, you look at what's happened to them. Right. I was right about the Nationals, of course, dead wrong about the Mets. And that's the thing that bothers me. And look, too, I thought that Mickey Calloway was going to be an upgraded manager over Terry Collins. I was completely wrong on that. I didn't like Dave Martinez hire in Washington. Now, still a long way to go here. But the Nats have not been as good as everybody expected. The Braves and Phillies, I was dead wrong on them. They have been much better than people have expected. And obviously the Mets have been much, much, much worse than anybody could have anticipated for different reasons than you would have anticipated. You could have said, okay, Syndergaard's going to be done for the year, DeGrom done for the year, and then you could maybe understand it. But the way that this has happened with the Mets has not been exactly that. And, and it's been the worst because even though I didn't think they'd win the division, when they're sitting there freaking 11-1, and one, I'm thinking, oh my, wow, may, maybe this team can win the division. You know, maybe, maybe they're better than we all thought, or at least what I thought. And I think that's what makes this Mets season. I've been thinking about it. One of the worst seasons they've ever had, because it wasn't that you came in thinking they were going to win the World Series. It was that you came in thinking they'd be decent, and then they get off to this ridiculous start where they look like a team that can't lose. And for that to turn as quickly as it turned on every aspect, Every aspect except for Jake, who's been the ace for three years, by the way. He didn't just become the ace yesterday. Uh, I'm curious how you feel about that. Were you a Matt Harvey fanboy, too? I was. You've been ahead of that more so than anybody else because I know you've been the one constant talking up Jacob DeGrom as he's the ace. I fell in love with Harvey in the beginning, so he was my guy. And DeGrom always got overlooked, obviously, by Harvey and then Syndergaard at their peaks. But you are correct, and that has been the case. He's been the mainstay. He's been the real ace all all these years. I I don't mean to be a complete ass and spike the football a little bit because I do appreciate Appreciate you acknowledging my Jake love because I do have a lot of Jake love. But what what was it then? Because I'll never forget an argument I had with Beningo, and we don't argue that much, but sometimes we do. And it was before it must have been 15. It was before the playoffs started in 15. And his point about Matt Harvey was, bro, I can't explain it, but he has it. You and didn't I remember like Harvey? I mean, come on. You didn't. No, he liked Harvey. He was saying Harvey had it over no, Jacob DeGrom. I'm talking about you. You didn't fall in love with Harvey. Harvey um, did have it. I didn't. Uh, it, it's not that I wasn't in love with him. I thought Jake was being disrespected. That's what I thought. Looking back, you're probably right. I mean, you are right looking back. But at the time, I mean, I did get caught up in the hype, the the attitude. I remember where I was when I first saw Harvey take the mound in Arizona. And I thought to myself, who the hell is this guy? Now, obviously, you heard about him a little bit coming up. You saw him on SNY, I think it was a week or so before when he pitched for double A. And he didn't look like anything special. And then he takes the mound in a big league game in Arizona. So it's blowing guys away with a confident attitude. Yeah. so, So, yeah, I do think it's more I don't know for whatever reason now look DeGrom was not as good then as he is now obviously but he was always a constant he just he didn't have that that it factor that attitude maybe that confidence that Harvey had or even Syndergaard had a couple years ago so maybe that's why he got overlooked it wasn't it wasn't that I disliked Matt Harvey and I'll tell you exactly what it was when he came up in 2013 you're right he was great to watch when he dominated the following year. Wait a second. I'm trying to get these years right. Yeah, he missed all of 14. He dominated in 13. So he came up, obviously, the year before that. When he first came up in Arizona, what you was described, what you were describing, yes, was very exciting. The Mets were going nowhere. When he dominated the following year and he was the one thing that was great to watch, I loved every second of it. It was that he missed the entire following season, 2014, and Jacob DeGrom won Rookie of the Year. He was tremendous. And 
what really got to me, this is where it all began, okay? And it's not that I, I don't necessarily know if it's, oh, I saw this in Jake and I didn't see it in Matt. It was disrespect. And that was the debate over who should start opening day in 2015. And on our radio station, it was, how could you start Cologne? It's got to be Harvey. It's got to be Harvey. And I was screaming, hey, guys, why isn't it the Grom? The guy just won rookie of the year. The guy pitched last year. Why are we not mentioning him? And it ticked me off. And that was the beginning of the, boy, Met fans just, they don't respect Jacob DeGrom. And it continued on and on. And the argument I had with Joe was, I think, right before the playoffs. And it was, to me, I was Jake's, Jake's pitch. Jake pitches game one. I mean, there's no debate here. He had a better year than Harvey, though Harvey was very good. Jake pitches game one. He's the ace. He's the guy. And that's when... Joe would say, look, I, I just think he has it. And my answer was, what doesn't Jake have? The guy came up. He won rookie of the year. He had a better year in 15. What it was he missing? So I think it came from disrespect that Jake always got. Yeah, and it's, that's fair. I mean, look, he still hasn't started opening day, right? I mean, has the Grom? He, he still hasn't started. All these years later, he hasn't. I, look, Harvey started the All-Star game, which is something, look, as Met fans, you you would hope and dream one day to even have the All-Star game being played in your ballpark, let alone have the guy on your team start the game. So that was a great moment, too. I, I don't know. And, and look, DeGrom, I remember him being hittable. Very hittable at times early in his career, specifically against the Yankees. I remember going to a game, Mets, Yanks at Yankee oh, Stadium. That's it. Yeah, Teixeira to share, to got him twice. I remember the Orioles, I believe, got him that year too. And I was like, God, this guy. No, it's it's just look again. I admit fault. Okay, I didn't I didn't acknowledge it. By the way, the Mets didn't either. Um, uh, to the point that he never started the the all uh, started opening day. But you're right. He's been the one constant all these years. I fell in love with Harvey foolishly so, and obviously that was a big mistake. And by the way. And I, I bet we all forget this. Jake didn't start an all-star game, but he came into an all-star game and I think struck every single person out. I think he dominated an all-star game while, oh, well, Matt started an all-star game and he drilled Robbie Cano. I'm sure that got you excited. And, though, the, no, and the best thing about DeGrom, too, is that, dude, he's just, he's, he's just, oh, we talk about doesn't have that it factor. He doesn't want the attention. He doesn't care about any of that nonsense. He just goes out there and pitches his rear end off and battles through tough situations. He did it in the postseason in 15. He's done it ever since. He, you have to love everything about, uh, about DeGrom. At this point, no, I, I don't think, I don't think you find anybody opposed to you, but you were definitely ahead of the curve on that one. Now, well, if, you, if you want to get into Oliver Perez, that may be a different story. All I said to you, and this should never be taken out of context, was, Oliver Perez can win a Cy Young. And I thought that. He had great stuff. I mean, why? <laughs> he should have never been signed back. Do you know there's two arguments that I remember vividly with you? One was Oliver Perez. You wanted him back and, and had high hopes for him. I didn't want yeah. him at all. Yeah. Two was you would not have. Now, remember, this is probably 2006 or seven. I guess. You would not have traded David Wright for Miguel Cabrera. Do you remember that conversation that we once yeah. had? Yeah, what an idiot I am. Well, I mean, in hindsight, obviously, it's easy to look back, but you were just in love with the, well, he's a homegrown guy, David Wright. Yeah. And I always thought he was overrated. And What yeah, do you I, think of him now? Curious. What I actually, I actually feel, over? I feel bad for him. I mean, look, do you look back and think he's one of the greatest Mets ever? I think he was a longtime Met. I think he was a face of the franchise, a great guy. I think Carlos Beltran's a better player. I mean, if you, I don't think he compares to Mike Piazza. Um, so, so it's hard for me to. I, I love him as a person. I, I root for him. I feel awful for him. I don't think he's one of the greatest Mets to ever 
play the game. Well, he, he is only because he spent his entire career with the team. I mean, you're right. At their peak, who is better, Carlos Beltran or David Wright? Carlos Beltran. You talk about being disrespected. Beltran's been a disrespected Met forever. That's why he became one of my favorite Mets. It was the same reason, because Beningo would kill him all the time, and Beltran was always the most clutch player on on those teams. He was. He was the guy I wanted up in a big spot, and it's unfortunate he's defined by one at-bat. Ah, I don't get it. And I don't understand how fans still look back to the one at bat like they lost that series because of that at bat. Please. He was I mean, he was the MVP of that team that year. Beltran so underappreciated. No, I'm with you on that one. Uh, And I think another thing is you never thought Jose Reyes was good defensively, which you ended up being right about 10 years later. Because now you're right. I never liked. Well, I shouldn't say never liked him. I did like him. I never loved him because he never got a clutch hit after the, what was it, game six of 2006, right? He let off the game with the home run. After after that, and, and with the collapses, he was, you know, front yeah. and center of those collapses. He was always disappointed. I always thought he was also overrated, and I think homegrown players are typically well, overrated. this is perfect. This is a perfect lead in them because, and I, I will admit, I'm completely biased. I'll admit this too. I, I have Jacob DeGrom in fantasy, which is now a keeper league. So I've had him now for a few years. And I got offered a deal the other day for Jacob DeGrom that was insane. I mean, somebody came up to me and offered me a first-round pick, which is incredibly valuable. Corey Seager, who I know has, is injured, but for next year, is a very good keeper. And another great pick. And I told the guy what I'm going to tell you right now, which is I'm a biased, biased man when it comes to this guy. I'm not trading him in fantasy, and I'm not trading him in real life. And homegrown I guess we can say the same thing because it, it goes back to the whole right Reyes debate. And back then, I felt the same way. I never wanted to get rid of David Wright. I never wanted to get rid of Jose Reyes. And sure, looking back on it, if the Mets had an opportunity to trade David Wright for Miguel Cabrera, um, where do I sign? So if you're telling me Glaber Torres is going to become Mike Trout and be the best player in baseball for the next 15 years, I guess I'd have to push myself to wanting to trade Jacob DeGrom. But I'm in the... I know the Mets are a mess right now, and they have no farm system, but I don't want to trade this guy. Look, the the most valuable thing, and I don't care what anybody says about the way the sport is trending, the most valuable thing in baseball is to get top-of-the-rotation starters, not to mention young, controllable, top-of-the-rotation starters of the level of DeGrom and Syndergaard. And I'm a I'm, – look – I'm the idiot who said I would not trade my, Matt Harvey you know, going back in at his prime three years ago, whatever it was, four years ago. I would not trade him straight up for Mike Trout. I would, <laughs> I would, I would certainly. Yeah. Now looking back, of course, yeah, I'm an idiot, but I would certainly not trade. I don't even care if Glaber Torres is going to be a stud for the next 15, 20 years, and the Mets could get him. I'm not doing it, Ev. You cannot trade a pitcher of Degrom's caliber and Syndergaard as well for for position players. I'm sorry, you don't do it. You have to build around. You can't because you know what? You get those guys. Guys, you'll be begging yourself, oh, how are we going to get a pitcher? Where are we going to get a pitcher that was like Jacob DeGrom? It doesn't happen. You can't do it. The time to trade one of these guys was three or four years ago when they had five and you knew that they weren't going to pan out. You had to pick one. Wheeler, Matt, Syndergaard, whoever, Harvey, pick one then and trade them. And they didn't do it then. There's no way I would ever consider doing it now. You know what's funny? I I agree with you, but I don't agree with you. If that makes, I, I, I don't want to trade Jacob DeGrom, so I agree with you from that aspect. But I don't agree with your philosophy at all, because if you're telling me in this day and age where a starting pitcher is going to make 30 starts a year, maybe he's going seven innings, maybe he's going seven innings, and then I've got to rely on a bullpen. And of course, I have four other starters, sometimes five other starters I have to rely on. In this day and age, if you're telling me the guys are going to pan out, if I'm going into the future and you're telling me I'm getting position players that are going to be really good for the next 10 years, 
then you damn skippy on making the trade. Yeah. The problem is there's no guarantee and I don't want to trade the man for lottery tickets. Well, that's the point. There is no guarantee. And I still have a hard time thinking that you can't get good enough offensive players to where you can balance out your team when you have the top of the rotation guys. You can find offensive players in the sport. You cannot find the young controllable top of the rotation guys. I mean, they're hard. Anybody, even the Yankees who have everything, they don't have those type of guys. Now, yeah, they, but where they, are they? Well, they, where are they in the standings? Well, I understand that, but they're so loaded everywhere else. And for many reasons, the development, the the free agency, like the Yankees, I mean, it's a, it may be a different story, um, but they're looking to get right to add to Severino, which is the one that they had. And imagine where they'd be without him. They're looking to add to that. They can't even find it themselves. So but wait a second. And I got to challenge you on this. Fine. And again, I agree. I don't want to trade Jacob DeGrom. Look at the Houston Astros right now. Their starting pitchers were all acquired. Justin Verlander was acquired. Garrett Cole was acquired. Charlie Morton was off the scrap keep. Scrap heap. Yes, they developed Dallas Keuchel. It's the position players that were valuable that they developed. Look at the Chicago Cubs. It's kind of the same thing. Look at the New York Yankees. You just said it. Now, they did develop Severino, who looks like the best pitcher in the American League. But the trend in baseball right now is the opposite of what you're saying. I understand that. I still don't think that it's right, especially in the postseason. Go go back to 2015. We All we heard about was all oh, the Cubs' offensive buzzsaw, and what happened? The Mets swept them. Why did they sweep them? Because of the pitching. So the pitching, especially in the postseason, when it's on and when it's you know elite pitching, you will win more often than not. When now, is it on, though? That's the problem. The Mets haven't. The Mets went back for one stupid game where their pitching got outpitched by somebody else. They haven't been back since. And say this about the Cubbies. I don't know if they're going to win the World Series this year. They, they're getting back. I mean, maybe they won't win the division. We'll see. I still think they will. But they're at least a good team. Yeah, but so, they had a down year last people, year. Yeah, but look where they are now. Yeah, I well, look, it's about balance, right? I mean, the Cubs can't find the balance with the rotation that the Mets would like to have, and the Mets can't find the balance offensively. The, the Mets aren't balanced enough. It's as simple as that. I mean, yeah, you'd like to have better offensive players, but it doesn't mean trading your best pitchers. That's why I said that the mistake was years ago when they had five guys, okay? They had five of them. They needed to pick one, and at the time I said it was Wheeler. Wheeler should have been traded for Justin Upton. They needed another bat. They neglected to do so. They held on to the guys. Then what happens? They start falling one by one. Wheeler goes down. Harvey goes down. Syndergaard comes up, and then he goes back down. The one constant you talked about was the Grom. And think about this, too. All those years that the Mets were built around pitching and weren't spending a lot of money, they went out there and signed Bartolo Colon to add to the rotation as insurance. And he was great, one of the best free agent signings ever, but they still never addressed the offense. It wasn't the proper balance. So my opinion is they haven't been as good as they should have been over the years because they neglected the balance of the team, not because they relied too much on the starting pitching. So what do they do now, though? Because, I mean, you look at this roster and you look at the development of the rest of this division. I mean, they're going to suck for a long time. I hate to say it. (laughs) Am I wrong? Am I wrong that they're going to suck for a long time? They're going to suck for a long time. I don't want to believe it, but, I mean, look, I think if you trade DeGrom or Syndergaard, yeah, they're going to stink for a long time. I mean, they they don't trade Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard, which I don't want to do. What are you doing to build this team? Tell me. Well, they have to get creative, and that, to me, is where – you know, they lacked under Sandy Alderson where they were too patient. I understand patience pays off at times, but they were too patient. They need to be aggressive and they need to be, 
look, they need to reconstruct the team, not rebuild. So let's say the you know Mets fans always want every, want every player and they don't want to give up anything. I want JT Real Muto for me. They have not had a catcher in ten years worth the salt. Okay, I want JT Real Muto, young All Star. He's available. What do the Marlins want? You want Lugo? You want Rosario? You want Nimmo? I'd be open to all possibilities. So you would I, trade Ahmed Rosario and Brandon Nimmo tomorrow for JT Real Muto. Uh, I don't know about both of them, but I'd have to consider it. My point is that those guys, those guys should be on the table for for players like Real Muto. Now, I know there aren't a bunch of players like Real Muto, but those are the type of moves that I believe you have to make, and I would look to do it up the middle. Do I want to give up Rosario? No, but I'd rather have Real Muto. Do I want to give up Nimmo? No, but I'd rather have maybe somebody who's better than Brandon Nimmo or, or even Conforto. You know, Conforto, I loved him, but he hasn't had a full season from start to finish for the way that we've expected him to be, and uh, he's a big yeah. problem. I tell you this about Conforto, and I don't want to be a guy who says I want to trade somebody when they're hurt or they're bad, because that's usually not the best time to do it. So I'll just say this now. If and when Michael Conforto gets hot, if and when Michael Conforto can put a few months together, you have to consider dealing him from the standpoint of I don't trust him now. And it's funny, at the beginning of this season, John Heyman wrote a column about how he thinks the Mets should trade Michael Conforto. For JT Real Muto. I'm not sure if it was a column or if it was just a comment that they should trade Conforto for Real Muto. Interesting. And the first thing I first thing I thought about was, well, the Marlins aren't going to do it because they want controllable guys. And I think Real Muto and Conforto are very similar in terms of where they are as far as controllability is concerned. So if it's similar, why would you do it if you're the Marlins? But my other reaction is, I don't want to trade Conforto. Well, I got to tell you, and I know he's got to get hot. I know he's got to start hitting. I know he's got to prove he's healthy, all that garbage. I, I can't trust him. I mean, you t- we go all the way back to when they called him up in 2015. That was a long time ago. That was three years. I could have sworn by now we would say that's a perennial all-star, or at least that's a guy I can trust, and I can't trust him. So hopefully this godforsaken season features some positives, and that one positive would be Michael Conforto puts together a few months and reestablishes value. I don't mind getting creative, and I like that you mentioned, guys, that the Marlins would want. I mean, despite Ahmed Rosario's tough season he's having this year, he is still, I think, highly regarded. And I think that you would get the Marlins thinking about a Rosario Real Muto deal. But that's only one deal. They have so many freaking holes to fill. And honestly, the only way they're going to be able to fill it is putting the big boy pants on and spending mm-hmm. not just money, but big money. And specifically, the guy is Manny Machado. He's the guy. Well, I mean, you well, can't imagine, disagree with that. Imagine a team of Real Muto and Manny Machado. I mean, now you're talking and look it up the middle, Ev. That's my point, right? I like Rosario. I think he's got potential. Certainly he's raw and he should be more developed at the major league level. But you're telling me if you could trade Rosario and turn him into Real Muto and you solidify the catching spot for once since really Paul LaDuca, then you go out there and spend and bring in Machado and now you actually right. have a young core and a team. Now, I know it's a lot, but you can't tell me that it can't happen because money's the only thing getting in the way of Machado and that should never be an excuse well, and, and it is an excuse that this franchise is never going to spend 250 million dollars well, but, but then but then why are we bothering then what's the point i mean are we i'm make- bothering because i'm gonna bitch about it as much as i can because this is new york city uh and w- what are we supposed to do just put our head down and say well that's not gonna happen no. what kind of change 
never happen in this world if uh, we didn't scream and yell about it. I agree with you, and that's why I, I was saying this on my radio show and I was saying it on SNY, enough of the, oh, well, it's not going to happen, so give up on it. No, I'm not being altered anymore. I'm sticking to my beliefs. This team can be fixed. They can keep Syndergaard and DeGrom, and they have to go out there and get Machado. There's no reason why they can't. There's no reason why they shouldn't. This is a big market. And and by the way, they have spent, right, they spent this, this past offseason just foolishly. I mean, they wanted quantity instead of quality. Where you could have had Arietta and Hosmer, they went out and got Jason Vargas, who knows why, Bruce, Frazier, Ray is back for $2 million. So they've made mistakes. They've spent, they've just spent foolishly. There is no reason why they cannot correct a big mistake and fill a big void and bring in Manny Machado on the offense. That's happened. The Mets, the Mets spend, they don't spend enough and they don't spend wisely. You're right about that because, look, they signed Jay Bruce, and to me, the guy I preferred over Jay Bruce was Lorenzo Cain. Now, Lorenzo Cain got a lot more money. Oh, you actually wanted a, a center years. fielder? You wanted a guy who can actually play center field? Yes. Yeah, right. What an idea. <laughs> what an idea. Put a guy who could play a position. Now, I'll admit, even though I want the Mets to spend more money, when I saw Cain's contract, I said to myself, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot. They gave him a lot of years. I think it was five years, if I'm not mistaken, from Lorenzo. Was, I thought it was four, but I could be wrong on that. I'm not 100%. And yeah, Double, I, I think it was five. It could be four, but it was a lot. And I preferred Lorenzo Kane. So Kane versus Jay Bruce. Clearly, we know how that result looks, even though Kane's on the deal right now. And I wanted them to get Eric Hosmer, like you mentioned, right. because to me, he's a leader. He's a winner, or at least he's participated in winning, which I like. And he's a good baseball player. And he's flat out better than Todd Frazier. I am so sick of Todd Frazier's shtick. I'm so sick of hearing about how great of a leader he is. Oh, he's such a Jersey guy. He's got his salt and shaker. Enough <laughs> of it. It's gar- I don't care. He's a 220 hitter. And, I, and listen, I, I heard you. I heard you interview this clown. And I liked what he said to you. He fed you a bunch of crap. And I liked what he said. Yeah. He said, Sal, I'm going to hit 280. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, fat chance you get a 280. He had very lofty expectations. I think he, I, even, I, I think I even said to him, like, how about 245? And he's like, how about 280 and you know 30 or 40 and 100? And I was like, yeah, sign me up. But you know, realistically, it's not going to happen. Uh, by the way, Lorenzo Kane, you were right, five years, 80 mil. Yeah, um, it's a lot. And I that is a lot. I get it, but you know what? When you are when you were this close to winning a championship and that World Series freaking kills me in ways it kills me more than 2000 because i thought that team was better the 15 team was better than the 2000 team uh, and i the royals feisty little bastards but whatever interesting as good you as thought, the 2000 15 was better than 2000 huh yes yeah i think 99 you know, I, 99 was better than both but i would still probably side with 2000 over 2015 how based on what uh i i think there were a better now again, it was 18 years ago. I love the bullpen. Uh, I love the offense better than 2015. They just it were one man show. I mean, it was Yohan Assessment. I know Murphy obviously in the postseason carried him, but the they didn't have man. Yeah, no, 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 I get that. The pitching was certainly better. Isn't it weird that the Mets have been? It's completely one end of the spectrum, right? In 2006, it was all about the offense. They had no pitching. 2000, it was more so about the lineup. They didn't have any pitching, and then in 2015, it's all about the pitching. They don't have any offense. You'd like to combine the teams, and then you have 1986, <laughs> and you exactly. actually you'd actually win one. But I still probably think 2000, 2015 to me was that was out of nowhere that they went to the World Series. It was out of nowhere, and I think that's why it probably affected me more because when you get there, you got to win. Mm. I mean, those opportunities don't come very often. I know Kansas City was able to lose a brutal game seven in their own building and come back the next year, but we've learned this too many times. You know, when you think you're going to get back, 
you don't get back. And what, what kills me about what's happened to this franchise is that when they got there in 15 and then repeated it in 16 by at least getting to the playoffs, despite losing everybody. I mean, think about it. They had right. nobody left. It was their rotation in the playoffs was Noah Syndergaard, Bartolo Colon, Lugo and Gizoman. If they had advanced past the Madison Bumgarner game, I, I just thought, well, they've got something here. You know, this is going to be a nice little run. And as Met fans, we just don't, we can't have good things. Well, I thought and it was we get good things. Yeah, I thought they were going to make the look. Well, 2017, I thought for sure they were going to be bounced back after 16, which was, you know, a brutal year with the injuries. They barely made the playoffs, but they did make it. 17 was supposed to be the next run. Then that turned into be, okay, well, maybe that was an aberration. Take a legit run this year. And this year has been even worse than any of the other years. And these were the years, Ev, that you were sold on 11, 12, 13, 14, the years of ineptitude and evaluation mode in Alderson's word. You were sold on that. You wasted that time for these years now 15 16 17 18 and here we are and it's worse than ever anyone can imagine and, and now you're going to hear about a rebuild what for 2022 no and that's why they do need to go out there and spend and spend wisely and instead of worrying about well no, Frazier's right. low average but his walk rate seems to be on the incline or this guy's a good value nonsense go out there yeah. and you get what you pay for and go get the best in Manny Machado you are Manny Manny Machado is your guy not Bryce Harper yeah, you want to go for Manny because I would look to trade and look if it's not Rosario for Real Muto I would figure out a way to get Real Muto with the other guys that I mentioned move move Rosario somewhere for another piece and then sign Rosario uh, excuse me sign Machado and put him at short here's the other problem the other problem I have right now is and we all feel bad for Sandy Alderson uh, and he showed a lot as a man and as a human how he could stand there at a press conference and obviously talk about something as emotional as cancer coming back and needing to fight it again and having another surgery down the road but for him to say I don't know if based on the merits, I'm going to be back. There are very few humans in any job who would actually say something like that. And I have great respect for Sandy saying that because I, I wish him all the best in this battle. But the great possibility is he's not going to be the general manager of this team again. I think that was made clear. And what bothers me now about, OK, Sandy's not going to be the GM. And we could talk about his legacy down the road, what it was with the Mets. They did get to a World Series. Omar had a lot to do with it, blah, blah, blah. The good signings, the bad signings. Mm -hmm. But right now, here's what I see. And this is how I interpret that press conference, okay? This is my interpretation. There were three assistant general managers, Omar Minaya, J.P. Ricciardi, and uh, John Ricco, who I, I'm not a fan of. Really? I actually like Ricco. Not a fan. Of okay. I mean, I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm not talking about him as a human. I'm talking about him as a, a baseball guy. You know why? I'll tell you real quickly before I continue yeah. this. I'll tell you why. I was at the season ticket holder dinner two years ago. Right? <laughs> you always got issues and, with these things. These season This year you get into it with Alderson. You have an issue with Rico. Go ahead. I'm looking forward to hearing this one. I was classy with Sandy. I did start by saying you're looking really good. You know, I did start with that, Sal. Give me some credit. I, I used that clip uh, on one of my radio shows when we when we had Alderson on, and I said, "Look, I heard that you uh, you don't like to listen to the other station. You could you could listen to us, Sandy, right here." And he he basically told me I need to tone it down a little bit before you would ever listen. <laughs> listen <laughs> to to tone it down. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Sa Sandy's a funny guy. He's a funny guy, and he by the way never answered my question at the season ticket holder dinner, which was basically stop making jokes and start spending money. And that was basically my point. But Rico admitted that he advised not to buy Yoannis Cespedes and not to buy in general during that lead up to the trade deadline. He didn't think they were good enough. And he thought, if anything, we should go the other way. Oh. And while I respect his honesty that he would admit something as wrong as that, I just have a really tough time trusting his judgment moving forward, considering if it was up to him 
we wouldn't even have 2015. Well, and take it a step further too. I mean, obviously the trade with Gomez and uh, you know Flores and Wheeler falling through, they w- they did not want Yohan Assessment. It was almost the last resort. They still tried to get Zobust at the time. Uh, they wanted. Why do you call him that? I don't understand. The guy helped the Cubs win the no, because World it, Series. It starts from, and I got this cleared up actually the other night. Maybe it was last night by Adam Fisher. Are you familiar with him? He does some stuff at SOI. And he's former front office member for the Mets from like 2003 to last year. Um, that I called him Zobos because at the time, Ev, it seemed like that was the focal point, not re-signing Cespedes. They let Murphy go. Cespedes was uncertain at that point and likely not to be back, and Zobos was going to be the guy. That would have been a disaster. Now, if it was in addition to Yoan Cespedes, then that's fine. And I understand he went on a one World Series with the Cubs, different lineup with the Cubs than it would have been to be the guy with the Mets. So so that's why I call him that. But yeah, they, they wanted others before Cespedes until the last minute. They lucked into it. They got it done. And then obviously we know the rest is history oh and they definitely did so rico that's my reason i have an issue with him i just wanted to give you the full yeah that's, that's fair and look i don't know enough about it but from the people that i've talked to that do know about it eh, maybe they're biased too but they seem to think that he's a smart guy yeah he's, he's a smart guy up and coming in the organization I, i've interviewed him before i feel like he at least you know what i like about him he admitted he admitted to understanding the frustration of the fan base. And I know it sounds so simple, but it is something that is important when you have other guys ignoring it and not being human about it, not really understanding or being relatable to the fans. Rico said something, I think it was two years ago when we had him on a radio show, and he was talking about, look, we get it. We understand that this is not easy and this is, you know, it's been rough here and we understand all that and we're trying to do the best that we can, blah, 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 whatever. But the fact that he acknowledged it to me, I was like, ah, you know what, maybe he does understand a little bit of the fans' perspective. He understands (laughs) we're pissed off. That's not selling me. It was a nice try. Uh, I'm just telling you, that's why I liked him. I wouldn't be opposed. Who do you want want in the Tim Nairing? I mean, is that going to be the guy? I want so well. First of all, right now the GM is Jeff Wilpon. I mean, to, to me, that they're all reporting to him. And I know when you own the baseball team, you can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, I run a baseball league every Sunday. I do whatever the hell I want. I understand that. I can make any dumb rule I want. I can do whatever I want. I like owning something. So he can do it. So I don't want to hear, oh, you're allowed to do it. It's like screaming the First Amendment all the time. I get you have the right to do something stupid, but I have a right to rip it. Right. So right now he's the GM. Because you've got three guys who are very different. Three guys. I don't want to hear how they work together and they know each other. They're three different human beings. I like you, Sal. If me, you, and Giannotti are GMs of the Mets, none of us are the GM of the Mets. Right. Because we're reporting to somebody. So Jeff Wilpon can't be the GM. I'm sorry. He's not qualified to be the GM. Jerry Jones shouldn't be the GM of the Cowboys. All right. And uh, I think Dolan's kind of moved away from the Knicks. It feels that way. Oh, at least. man, I hope so. Oh, that would be your worst nightmare, which I even hope so more. That if he moves away from the Knicks. Oh, my goodness. What are you kidding me? Dolan, if he sells the team, the reports today, uh, they, they, oh, they, that, they would yeah. actually have a chance. What are you kidding me? If Dolan sells yeah, but, the Knicks and Rangers. I, I, I don't want to defend Dolan here, but it does seem like the last two years he's given the keys to Steve Mills, whether you trust Mills or not. Whoa. I think he's given them the keys. And that's specifically what I want. Right, but they First of say, all, you, they did say they're going to look to hire somebody. I mean, they're going to start. BS. What do you mean it's BS? They're gonna, it's BS. So you think this is just a, a ruse and they're yeah. going to hire Rico at the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I think that right now, Jeff Wilpon is the GM of the team, which I'm not a fan of. You can't be a fan. No human Met fan is a fan of Jeff Wilpon being the GM of the team. I don't think he's an owner. I don't think it, right. I don't think it has anything to do with him in particular. He it's, is the team, but, you, but he is. You don't, the, no, no, no. I'm saying you don't want the owner. No fan ever wants an owner to be. Why? Well, I, I don't think he's a good owner, number one. And number two, I don't want him GMing my team, especially as we go to the trade deadline. And number two, 
they have to hire someone outside of this organization. This mess that they have right now is partially because of the guys who are still there. Maybe not Omar because he just stepped back in, but J.P. richardi has been here for a long time. John Ricco's been here forever. So why? How can you sell? How could you even sell yourself that John Ricco should be the GM of this team? Whether he's a smart guy, understands you, understands me or not, he's been here during this mess. I need new eyes. Right, because the problem is, and look, you're bringing up great points, and I was saying all year long that if this were to continue the way that it's going with the Mets, and obviously, you know, here we are almost in July, and it has remarkably continued uh, as awful as it has, then yeah, you want to blow it up. And and that means the manager, too. Get them all out, who's who's, completely overmatched. But but the other problem is that these front offices have continuity. These guys were there with Omar. So they're there through Sandy. So now you're taking a guy who, yeah, you're right, he's been there through it all. He's also had some success as well. They were also part of the first regime, or the second regime, I should say, to bring the Mets to back-to-back postseason appearance. It only happened twice in the history of the franchise. So I, I get what you're saying. On the surface, it looks like, well, he's Alderson regime. Get him out. But now what? In four or five years, are everybody going to be praising this regime the way that they did with Omar after he was fired? And then four or five years later, they, they had some of the players reap the benefits of the World Series. I understand continuity. I do. I, I, I would like continuity. Plus hiring from within is always a good thing. Yeah, but this within sucks. That's the problem. This, this within right now, Sal, has led the Mets to having one of the worst farm systems in baseball. Why do I want to continue but don't you think that? Don't you think that could change significantly? These, these, yeah, these with a new GM. No, 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 no. These baseball perspectives. That was my point about Omar. Everybody said the same thing about Omar. The team is dreadful. And then before you know it, Omar's fired four years later. Oh, look at all these guys that Omar had. Now they're playing in the World Series. So it can't be both ways. I mean, maybe years down the road, you start to say, wow, Alderson actually did make some decent draft picks. You don't know. Those are things that you'll find out years down the road. I'm not saying that Rico should be the GM. I'm just saying that I would look at all options and blowing it up is a, you know, potentially scary thing when you're starting from the ground up again. I don't know if I love that idea. Unless you have a, a you have a, you, look, Theo Epstein going to come in and do it? We, a guy, that you, give me a known guy. Is Brian Cashman going to come in? Give me a known guy that's going to hire a known manager, proven um, manager. Give me those guys. Then I'm, I'm all for that. Somebody called up and asked the dumbest, funniest, smartest question I've ever heard. You ready? It's fun, dummy, and dumb and smart at the same time. He said, hey, would you trade Jacob DeGrom for Brian Cashman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a so good one. My, Torres and Cashman. My answer was, I don't think Brian Cashman would. You know why? Why is he going to trade himself for Jacob Degrom? Well, but also that's a great point. Bringing up Cashman, how many years have we heard in this town? Oh, Cashman, he's got to go. Cashman's done nothing. He's got to go. Blah 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 blah. Now all of a sudden he's a genius. The last two years for quote unquote rebuilding the Yanks without even doing it. I mean, it didn't even it didn't even take a year to rebuild them. Well, it, he rebuilt the. They, you know what they did so well? And if this happened to the Mets, I'd have a party. They rebuilt while still being good. And I think they were able to do that. Yeah, because they have a huge payroll, because they do have a $200 million payroll, because they had a lot of talent on the team. But they were able to redo the farm system, develop young players, have them come up. And what what I'm so jealous about, where do I start with the Yankees, is that every young player that comes up outside of Tyler Wade, he's a mess. Every young player that comes up looks like a superstar immediately, whether it's Miguel Andujar Labor Torres. I know Judge had a bad month in September a few years ago. No, they look like major leaguers. His- they look like major leaguers. How they're yeah. supposed to look when they get to this level. 
So isn't that something about Met player development versus Yankee player yes. development? It's got to be a fact. Yes, it is. It is. Now, I asked Jim Duquette if that was a finance thing. Now, I would think that he's being honest. Uh, he said that it was not. It's just a lack of development. For whatever reason, they don't have as good a people in their system as the Yankees do. The Yankees have the best. Maybe it is a finance thing. I'm not sure. But there's clearly a disparity when you talk about the player development with the Yankees and really others compared to the Mets because Rosario comes up. He looks raw like a minor leaguer. Dom Smith, same thing. He looks like he doesn't belong. The Yankees, every guy they bring up looks like they belong. Would you hire Girardi once you can Mickey Calloway, who is completely over? 100 percent I would hire Joe Girardi. Are you kidding me? I mean, I take Buck Showalter too. I take any of those guys. It's funny. We I think overall, even though our philosophies may be a little different on a lot of things, we are very similar in that I don't want to trade Jake and Noah Syndergaard. You don't either. Uh, I definitely think Manny Machado's a must. I mean, I think they have to become really aggressive at signing this guy. I think that's a game-changing, franchise-changing kind of move because what it does is I think it gets me. I'll tell you right now, it gets me, and it gets a lot of Met fans off the backs of these owners. Right, for the, still good, don't for the goodwill for the fan base alone, it would be worth it for years. We're talking about 10 years now because it's really been since 2009. It's, yeah. it's been that long for the goodwill alone, not to mention what it's going to do for ticket sales, what it'll do for the team, and as you said, yeah. franchise changing, and it's right there it in is. front of them. Now, it's one thing if they offer him the most money and he doesn't want to come here, that's different, but they have to at least – make the best offer for Manny Machado. It's they, they have to. It, 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 it solves so many things because, and there's always going to be people that are going to rip whatever, but I, I'll tell you right now, they go out and they get Manny Machado 10 years, $280 million. How can anybody, and I would defend it, how can anybody call up and say, ah, oh, the owners are cheap. They, they, how could you say that? And, that? and changing that narrative is A, important, and B, forget that for a second because that is important, you're talking about the ability to sign a guy at 25, 26 years old as a free agent. That never happens. Look, it's guys are never available at that. It's age. A, that's why it's the perfect storm. They are in desperate need of it, desperate need of it more so than anybody else. And he is that age. You, yeah, you're going to spend, you're going to spend a bolo. But guess what? You're getting a young superstar in his prime. If you're ever going to spend, that's the player to do it on. So that coupled with some creative moves, a la JT Realmuto, I don't think it's the future is as bleak as it may seem right now. If they do that, and the problem is I don't believe there's any shot in the hell they're going to do it. That's the problem. <laughs> Back to reality. You're right. You describe the utopian world where I'm saying, yeah, I, I agree with you, Sal. The Mets can be good next year, except Callaway's probably still going to be the manager. I don't know about John that. Rico, well, I don't know, man. If Rico or Rashardi staying here and it's the same regime, I'm not convinced they're going to fire this manager. I don't think it's as given a thing as, as maybe it would seem or you would think. I think that there's a legit chance he did. Yeah, I, I do. You know why I, I like what it. you're saying? I, I like what you're saying because I sense that you're saying it because somebody who you trust is telling you that's going to happen. Hey, look, I'm not going to say it was a little birdie or anything like that, but I would not. Now, again, I, whether it happens or not, who knows? But yeah, I mean... I, I think that it's more realistic because I, I would have just given up saying, well, they signed him three years. He's not going anywhere. I don't believe that's the case anymore. I think there's a legit chance he does not survive this. I mean, he's when if he's been so bad, not even game, the postgame conferences. What is he talking about? Oh, my goodness. I, I will admit, I will admit, Sal, that if they fire him, I'll be happy. You'll be happy. I'll be thrilled. I think there's a chance he can be A.J. Hinch, though. I think there's a chance he ends up somewhere else in two years, and we're all bemoaning the fact that the great Mickey Calloway 
used to be the manager of the Mets. I think with experience, that's the problem when you hire a rookie right. manager. It's the problem when you hire a rookie coach. They very well, and we know with Belichick, Giant fans are hoping for it with Pat Shermer, that that next destination sometimes is when you put it all together. And I think Joe Torrey, his first destination was the Mets, and he was terrible as Met manager. He'd be the first one to tell you. Casey Stengel, there's a long list of it. So I do admit that I think there's a really good chance that happens with Cal. I could not agree with you more. I think that that is going to be the case, and that's why maybe they should be a little patient because it's almost not even his fault. They put him in this spot. They had to expect, now maybe not this bad, but they had to expect some bumps along the way, and if you, it depends on the direction that they're going to go in. I do think, though, that if they did fire him, he would get another job somewhere and become a great manager because he's going to learn from his experiences. Look, it happened with me at fan. I get fired from the fan. You don't think I learned from that? I mean, it happens with everybody. You learn from your experiences in life and you better grow from them and I do think that that's going to be the case like Callaway with all the other managers and coaches that you mentioned before it happens in life when you had Mike in <laughs> studio <laughs> yeah did you think for it there was a chance nah. he would end up back at WFA not, and doing not even it w- was not even a thought in my mind was wasn't even on the I would never even think that that's a possibility did you <laughs> did, did, I, did you ever, I did no you ever like did it ever of all the possibilities and there were a lot of them mike going back to the fan it like never entered my brain ever oh it it, it stunned me no I, i'm being perfectly honest it absolutely stunned me and it cracked me up too i mean it was it was hysterical <laughs> oh, yeah. when i found out and then when i find out hey guys you're gonna do your same show but an hour less and keep the extra money we gave you well then let's have a party i mean let's let's, let's go have a picnic. so you went from having i think you and joe outside of mike made out the best out of anybody else you went from having an extra hour to then having an hour even less it's true, and I, I do admit, though, I like the extra hour because there were many times, especially during football season, uh, which we never really got to experience. I mean, because it was in January, <laughs> Jets and Giants are done. We never experienced this. It was only a couple of months. I mean, come on. <laughs> that was yeah, rough. the worst months to have the extra hour. Yeah, right. February, <laughs> March. But I, I always thought that there are times in which I feel wow, we didn't get to this. We didn't get to that. You know, more time for calls, more time for guests. So I was never against the extra hour. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. I really enjoyed it. Getting home a little bit later is not that big of a deal. But (laughs) when it happened, it did crack me up. It made me laugh. (laughs) I still can't believe it, to be honest with you. It is still sort of surreal. But I see him. Oh, How are you there, kid? How are you? Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, uh, it's for the app, okay? It's for the app. <laughs> the app. Yeah. What is the latest with that, by the way? you have any updates? Can you update me on that app? Update you on what? And what? App? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was... I the... mean, well, I got, we got another one. I got another Mike question for you. I'm asking you my questions. Well, you did. Didn't you? Uh, you worked for him. Yeah, for come on. Years. And I was there too. I was there right after Dog left, or when Dog left. So I was there with Mike on that show. It was just me, Eddie, and Mike basically when it was you know when Mike was solo for years. I was there from with Mike from about whenever Dog left a little before that till 2010. Yeah, so you had a good run with Mike. Yeah. Um, Mike being on Twitter, that's that's got to be more surprising than even Mike coming back to the fan. Uh, I remember vividly having conversations about Twitter with him, and it was never <laughs> never something I thought would ever happen. I actually think he's really good on there, though. Have you follow him on Twitter? Do I follow him? Yes, of course oh, I follow I don't, him. I don't, don't, but of course uh, everybody else that I follow. Wait, hold on a second. You don't follow him? Why? Does he follow me? He doesn't follow anybody. Well, then there you go. I, why, why do I need to follow? Is my that name? your shtick? You won't follow someone that no, doesn't follow you? No, but in this case, I don't like the idea that he's not following anybody. Okay? Uh, that, to me, is 
I don't know. That bothers me a little bit. That doesn't bother you when somebody. You think that's like arrogant that he maybe, doesn't follow anybody? Maybe that's the yeah. Like he's above it all. So fine. I don't. You know. I don't uh, necessarily. No, I think you're. I think you're misinterpreting it. I think that once he figures out a way to unlock the the eighty percent of Twitter that hasn't been unlocked yet, a part of the unlocking will be following people. Now, with that said, Do you think I he gotta, really cares? He's not following anybody. Come on. No, he's not going to. Well, he's not going to follow you. I'll tell you that right now. I doubt he's following you. And I doubt he's following me. I'm not trying to put you down. No, I'm not following me. I don't, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. He's going to follow Bill Simmons and CAA. Those are going to be the two things he follows. Right. And Donald Trump. Those are those will be the three things he follows on Twitter. From the tweets I have seen from him, I feel like he's better at it than maybe I would think he would have been. Is that fair? Do you think he's good on there mm-hmm. or no? Uh, no, I think he's actually pretty good because yeah. I was curious how he would use it. It's interesting with Twitter and even with this podcast, you know, you, you don't want to just give your radio show away, right? You've got to have a strategy around it. Right. So I put a guy on on a podcast today who I couldn't put right, on. Right. We could never do this. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> we could never do this on the radio ever. And not because I was fired. It's because I work at a different radio station now. Just want to clear that up. A radio station I do not like, by well, that's the way. Fine, not man. because of their programming, but because they ruined my opening day. I'm still very upset about that. Uh, still bothers me to no end, but did you, you do a fine job. Did you talk to Howie about that? Have you talked to Howie at all? I'm not going to reveal any conversations that I had with anybody about that. That's not fair to anybody. That's fair. So I'm not going to that's a, that's a completely unfair question. Right. That's 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 fair. Wait till you stop recording. I got a lot more to discuss with. You. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you coming on. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the result of this podcast is that the Mets will not sign Manny Machado. They will not do the things you recommended and I recommended, and we will suck for the next half a decade. I hope that that's not the reality. Uh, unfortunately, it does seem more likely than not. I mean, it's been the case for the last you know twenty years or so. Right. <laughs> yes. History tells you that will be the case. Yeah. I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. And for anyone who made it to the very end, I'm going to tell you something I'm thinking about doing. Um, we are recording this podcast leading in to the weekend. So you may be listening to it whenever. I think this is a very evergreen podcast because trust me, the Mets are not going to win 15 in a row and get themselves back into a playoff race. I'm going on vacation and I've had some crazy thoughts. And you can comment on this, Al, if you find this interesting or to be the dumbest idea ever. I'm thinking about recording some random podcasts from random locations on my trip. So, for example, I will be going to a Rascal Flats concert, and I will be going to Monticello to see where Thomas Jefferson lived. And I'm thinking if there is something sports-related that I'd like to discuss for 10 minutes, I may do an on-site vacation podcast. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that some things never change, and you need to get away from the sports for a second and enjoy your vacation. Put down the Twitter. Put down the podcast. Will you enjoy life for a minute? Jeez. I have a son and a wife. I've enjoyed it to some degree. I understand, I mean, I understand that, but the, the need, believe me, the last thing I think about doing on vacation is talking about sports. I do it every day. <laughs> you, I mean, I respect you for it. You have a great passion for it, but my goodness. Take so, I'm trying to. I'm trying to fool everybody. See, here's the thing. If I start doing a podcast from Monticello, you think I'm talking about sports? I'm going to be breaking down Thomas <laughs> Jefferson for 15 minutes. Oh, okay? great. I'll be locked into that one. I know you will. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. But, Sal, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ev. This has been another edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Make sure to listen to the Midday Show with Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts, 10 a.m. Monday through Friday on WFAN.